conversations with prominent pastors, teachers, and leaders. This is the Pastor Well Podcast from Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Now your host, Dr. Herschel York. Hello and welcome to the Pastor Well Podcast. This is Herschel York, the Dean of the School of Theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm also pastor of the Buck Run Baptist Church in Frankfurt. The Pastor Well Podcast is dedicated to helping those who serve the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ be faithful in ministry. Today, what a joy, what a delight to have uh, a very dear friend of mine, Dr. Paul Chitwood, uh, the president of the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, the uh, largest Christian mission organization really in the world. And we're going to be talking about preaching and theology and missions and uh, whatever we want to talk about. Welcome, uh, my dear friend, Paul. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Yard. Good to be with you today. Uh, a friend in need is a friend indeed. You've always been a friend when I needed you, and I'm grateful for you. And, and good to sit down with you this morning. Yeah, well, well it is. Uh, we, man, we, we've been in denominational foxholes together. <laughs> More than one. <laughs> we have, we have uh, fought wars together, ne- never against one another, always on the same side. And uh, For which I'm grateful. <laughs> yeah, well, me too. Uh, well, in November of 2018, you were elected president of the International Mission Board. So tell us about that. Uh, you were executive director of the Kentucky Baptist Convention, and before that, a longtime pastor. So how's it going at uh, the IMB? I, I, it's going well. The Lord has been kind. Southern Baptists have been kind. Uh, our staff and our, our, our missionary uh, force, everyone has just been so welcoming, so encouraging. Uh, it, the, to move from the role in Kentucky to this role uh, was quite a jump, uh, but preparation as a board member, you and I serving uh, on the governing board, the IMB, for uh, many years and, and, and chairing the board, just a lot of connections throughout uh, the course of my tenure as a pastor and professor here uh, and um, our state mission work that helped me prepare, not fully prepared. I don't know that one could yeah, be fully prepared could be. to lead the IMB, but but certainly uh, helped, helped give me orientation and uh, and context as I came into the role. So how, about how many missionaries uh, do we have on the field through the International Mission Board? We're currently at about 3,700, give or take one or two. We're hovering right around that number and are really in a position to add a few. Thankfully, uh, some of the difficult decisions that have been made in the last uh, four to six years really have, have positioned us to where uh, we now can start rebuilding the force. Uh, of course, you recall when you and I were board members, we were at our height at about 5,600, mm-hmm. close to 5,700. So to be down essentially 2,000 workers uh, in the course of a decade is very painful and harsh reality. And while we're not financially ready to ramp back up to those type of numbers, we are sending new missionaries to field every day. And we have several fully funded positions that we're just waiting to fill. Right. But, you know, when we had that many missionaries, the reality was we really couldn't afford it. And we were uh, in a negative income situation. And and so things are on uh, an, an even keel now. I think we're operating in the black. We are operating in the black. Uh, we finished about $20 million to the good this past year. Uh, so that gives us a window of opportunity to to rebuild the force. You know these 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 kinds of numbers. Uh, most of the people listening to a podcast like this, you know, we just can't even fathom those kinds of numbers uh, and millions of dollars. So twenty million dollars to the good uh, sounds like a lot, but overall, 
What's the annual budget of the International Mission Board? Yeah, two hundred and seventy-ish million. Uh, so when when you talk about you know twenty million and two hundred and seventy million, what is that uh, preacher math about? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm even bad at preacher math. <laughs> yeah. So so you know is 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 a is a fraction of of the overall budget. Uh, however, as we break down the cost of sending and sustaining a missionary unit overseas mm. that does give us a window to add several missionaries. Well, the, the burden on your shoulders is immense. You know, most people don't know, for instance, that uh, our missionaries are, you know, the IMB uh, is self-insured. Uh, I was just in the home last week of IMB missionaries that were on the field in uh, Asia, and the wife got cancer. Their testimony of the way that they were cared for was fantastic. The way the IMB cared for them, uh, they had to come back here for her cancer treatments, and by God's grace, she is in remission now. But, man, they were grateful for the kind of care that the IMB gave them. And uh, so, you know, we, we, we think about sending missionaries and all, but... The reality is that we're we're responsible for them, for their lives, for their children, and uh, you have to think about not just mission strategy and missiology. You've got to you've got to think about lives and the education of their children, and uh, how we help them care for elderly parents, and all of that comes in the role of being the president of the International Mission Board. It's a uh, well, uh, it's a lot on your plate, isn't it? Well, it is it's a lot. Thankfully, I have a good team. Uh, there's a great group of people there around us. Uh, we have uh, about 300 staff members uh, who serve in support roles and recruiting roles and training roles here in the states uh, to keep those 3,700 uh, well cared for, as you say. And and it is a lot. We try to be uh, the best stewards of every dollar, and so that places sometimes, uh, you know, instead of just contracting out uh, for. Uh, you know, health benefits and education and all that stuff. We can uh, we can actually do it a lot cheaper if we if we do it ourselves and and really do it better, better quality. We mm-hmm. believe, uh, but that puts the work and the burden of responsibility upon us. Uh, but again, thankfully, in the Lord's kindness, we have a we have a great team and and uh, adding new people to the team with the kind of skills and gifts that are needed to be able to hear a, a, a report from a missionary like that, families who are going through very difficult times, uh, to know that they're being served well and loved well uh, by their IMB support team as well as Southern Baptists. What a blessing that is. It really is. Uh, but to be responsible for that many people going into darkness, going into lostness, there's got to be a huge uh, sense of spiritual warfare in your life uh, has it been noticeable moving from executive director of the Kentucky Baptist Convention, which is a significant thing, uh, leading 2,400 churches uh, to cooperate, but now leading a missionary force like that? Tell us, what what does it feel like spiritually? Yeah, it's it's noticeable. It's palatable. Uh, it, it was a sense in which, well, and I knew from serving on the board with you, from watching at the time Dr. Rankin and his team, just I had some sense of the intensity of the spiritual warfare that they uh, that they faced on a daily basis and and um, you know exposure in past roles but uh, you know it was interesting when I was in the first round of interviews for the position 
uh, back last June, one of the committee members asked me uh, point blank during the interview, you know, why do you want to be president of the International Mission Board? To which I responded, I don't. And so the committee, you know, a few people kind of laughed. I said, no, like seriously, I don't. Uh, I've, I've seen what it takes. I've seen the toll it takes. I understand the spiritual warfare, uh, the, the, the target really that's placed on the IMB and those who lead the IMB. Anyone who would pursue that, anyone who, who, would, who would go after it is nuts. But should the Lord call me to do it, should the Lord call us to do it, what an incredible privilege it would be. Uh, and certainly I feel very privileged and blessed to be in the role, but uh, I feel every day uh, the intensity of that spiritual warfare. I believe, uh, like you, that the greatest work in the universe is the work of extending the gospel to the ends of the earth, is the battle for the souls of men and women and boys and girls from every uh, tongue, uh, tribe, nation. And in the midst of that battle, there is an enemy who comes full force against us. And the people that the uh, Lord has sent out through the IMB are certainly on the very leading edge front lines in the war and as we support them it, it puts us close to the battle i feel in fact i shared with our uh, missionaries in a recent email that uh, the the things that uh, we are dealing with things are taking place i feel that we are close to the gates uh, but we know mm -hmm. uh, that those gates shall not prevail that's right uh, missiology is inextricably connected to theology uh, so uh, tell me how your theology undergirds what you do. Uh, talk even a little bit about your theological training. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, of course, being trained here, it was really in my uh, the end of here at Southern Seminary, the end of my Master of Divinity studies uh, after Dr. Moeller had come and begun to. You uh, came here in what year? I came here in '92. Uh, year so, be, the year before Moeller becomes president. Exactly. Honeycutt was still president. There was a lot going on Ooh, here. A little bit. Uh, this was sort of the the uh, uh, the front line of the the battle in the SBC for uh, conservative resurgence. And, and this was such a, uh, as you and I have, have talked even just before we came on air, such a critical piece uh, in, uh, uh, in that struggle. Uh, so I saw a great transition, but... But near the end of uh, my, my uh, time in Master's Divinity Studies, uh, having some, some great, solid biblical professors who had come on. Uh, but it was actually in, uh, in beginning Ph.D. work here. And one class I point to in particular, it was uh, under Tim Booker, uh, a, uh, a Theology of Evangelism seminar where I was, for the very first time in my life, introduced to biblical theology. And that was almost a second uh, uh, conversion experience for me and set underneath me a, a, a foundational belief system that, uh, uh, at least from an academic and intellectual vantage point, I'd never had and I'd never been exposed to. Uh, that carries me today. You know, a high view of the sovereignty of God as we... Uh, do the work of the IMB. If, if I sensed that this work rested on me, mm -hmm. if I sensed that it was up to me to win these battles and well, struggles, be in trouble. oh my gosh, I, I, I would <laughs> be right. cowering in a corner somewhere. Right. Uh, but uh, but it's on the Lord, and yeah. we have the privilege of being used. Well, you you mentioned about uh, we how we believe in taking the gospel to people, every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue. 
tongue. Not only do we believe in going, we believe we're going to get there. We're going to win. Absolutely. We've been assured of the victory. We've seen the vision we, of heaven. We see the scene in heaven. Yes. And they're there. Amen. And so to know that, yes, it's spiritual warfare. Yes, you're under satanic attack daily. But Jesus has already won the victory. He's, you know, uh, uh, I, I say he's like a guy that, we're, we're like the guy who took his pocket knife and bragged. I took this pocket knife and I cut the tail off of a mighty lion. And someone said, well, if you're so tough, why didn't you cut off his head? He said, well, someone else had already done that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, you know, we can, we can walk up to that line uh, with, uh, with a grin. That's right. And That's knowing right. that uh, we're in no danger. Jesus is crushed victory his victory has head. been that, won. That, That's exactly right. And what a comfort. And those, as you're, you are sending them out. Man, I, I think of, you know, every day that I teach here and I'm training these men, uh, uh, since I, I teach pastoral and, and minister and preach, and teach exclusively men, but their their wives and women that come here and get trained for missions as well. When we send them out, we really are sending them out as sheep among wolves, and and uh, for thy sake we're slaughtered all day long. Uh, Paul quotes there in Romans eight. Uh, it it's it's true, and we don't take that lightly, but we know that ultimately there's victory. Uh, that undergirds everything, doesn't it? it? It it does. I mean, how wicked would we be? How wicked would I be as president of the International Mission Board if I take a, a young family uh, of, of committed Christians here, say in Kentucky, send them to the heart of the Muslim world where I know they will face danger, peril, persecution, mm-hmm. uh, all that cross-cultural life and and and. The, the threats to physical health. I mean, why would you do that to someone you love apart from knowing the Lord Jesus had called them, send them there. He's already given them the victory. He goes before them. He goes with them. He protects them, guards them, guides them. Whatever price they pay, yeah. they pay to his glory, and they'll enjoy an eternal reward. Uh, right. So in, instead of wicked, what a joy it is yeah. uh, for us to, to have a part in this great work. You know, Paul, you are. Uh, I know you very well as a preacher. You're a preacher. And so all the years you pastored, what kind of preaching did you do? What, what philosophy of preaching do you have? Yeah, as, as I matured in my preaching and in my education, understanding, expositional preaching became just what I did. And really, uh, I'd say exclusively, there, there were very few times that mm-hmm. I departed from that. And there was a very specific reason for it if I did there so. There are pastoral moments yeah. where you, you just got to say, something take out had the trash. To be addressed. Yeah. <laughs> something had to be addressed. Yeah. But even in that, uh, okay, let's find where in Scripture is addressed and let's, expo- let's, let's expose what Scripture says about this issue. So, uh, But uh, that served me well. It, 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 it Obviously, it strengthens your preaching when, when you're word-centered Yes. And understand that, hey, I don't have much to bring here, but the Lord has spoken. Let's hear from him. And in, in the ministry that I carried out in the local church, uh, the Lord blessed that because I believe he was blessing the preaching of his word. How old were you when you felt a call to preach? I was 18 years old. Uh, I was a freshman in college. I was active in our uh, church I grew up in, First Baptist Church of, of Jellicoe. And uh, sensed a very clear calling to ministry, sitting in the pew on uh, uh, a Sunday night during revival services, uh, and the Lord just spoke to me, uh, and in a 
again, a very clear way. I, I remember a line from Adrian Rogers. You know, he, he was talking about the Lord speaking to him. And, yeah. and someone questioned, oh, was that an audible voice? And he said, no, it was much louder than that. Yeah. And so right. that, that was the way it was for me. It was much louder than an audible voice when the Lord spoke. Do you remember the first sermon you ever preached? I do. It was terrible. <laughs> it was a Wednesday night. Our pastor just resigned, the chairman deacons, uh, because— uh, How old were you? I was uh, 18. Oh, wow. Uh, so so the pastor, uh, as he was leaving, uh, I had announced a, a call to ministry, and and chairman deacons came to me and said, we want to give you a chance to preach. We do that on Wednesday night. Uh, so I worked, you know, for three weeks to get my sermon ready. I had seven three weeks. handwritten uh, pages of manuscript. Uh, thankfully, it snowed uh, that night, <laughs> so the crowd was about fifteen people, and uh, I, I worked through my manuscript in about five to six minutes. And prayer meeting ended early. Oh wow! <laughs> and some would uh, today say, "Could you do that again?" <laughs> but my sermon didn't last very long. How long does it typically take you now to like if you start from scratch, you're going to preach, or when you were pastoring? How how long would you take to put a sermon together? Yeah, fifteen uh, hours, uh, basically twelve to fifteen, I would say, uh, if I had the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd prefer twenty. Uh, but uh, uh, now I preach a lot because of pressure situations with uh, less time invested. Right. But that that would be my optimal preference. One of the things uh, that preachers, I think, sometimes fail to realize is that really you're building a a storehouse. You're filling a storehouse your whole life. So it does not take me as long to prepare for a sermon at 59 as it did at 29. Oh, absolutely not. You know, because uh, I've plowed this ground before, typically. And it it does, uh, you've got a storehouse to draw from. What I find is that uh, being fresh with illustrations, that that still always takes as much time to find good stuff there. You know, in fact, it may be longer in a long-term ministry like I have, I've been 15 years at Buck Run. Uh, you know, there are some illustrations that I repeat, and every time I repeat them, people know, I, oh, you, you've used that before. They remember your illustrations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Stories stick with us. They really do. And so you, you've you got to work hard to be fresh and to find new stuff. Now you're traveling around. Typically, you're preaching in places like just one shot, yeah. right? You're in, in and out. Yeah. So do you, you tell me how you do that? Do you have like five sermons you rotate among, or do you have primarily one that you'll use for six months? To, what do you? How do you think about that now? Yeah, I, I've probably got ten that that I kind of rotate through. Although uh, each uh, uh, you know assignment can can interrupt you know me sort of going to the storehouse, and when I when I use uh, sermons I preached before. I always try to go back and, and take serious focus time to review them, to mold them and shape them to the occasion, to the context, to the audience, and and that gives a freshness to it. And, it, you know, I think uh, people are able to sense that I'm there to share with them. I'm not just sharing what I share sort of everywhere I go. Uh, but, uh, for instance, this Sunday uh, I'm preaching at Bell Shoals Baptist Church for Easter Sunday services. They don't have a pastor now. Right. So as the pastor was leaving, uh, he was kind enough to call me and, and, and ask me, uh, I, I'm now booked for the next two years, 
but most pastors aren't giving up the pulpit on Easter Sunday. So I did have Easter Sunday available when he called a, a couple of months ago and uh, accepted the assignment. So I'm preaching something new uh, there, uh, which is taking preparation time. Uh, but again, it's it's the it's uh, the nature of the request. You're booked for the next two years. Yes, that's amazing. Yeah, it, it, it like my calendar exploded the day I yeah. was announced. As, I'm just as pointing president. out that I had you preach for me long before you were president. I am just <laughs> just saying. Uh, yeah, it, it, you know, as you probably know, this I operate kind of first come first serve basis, and so if someone asks, yeah, just and I'm really available, no it doesn't do matter it. if there's twelve people or or twelve hundred people. Uh, I'm coming, but but uh, just because I've you know responded positively to the invitations that have come, and and you know forty what forty six, forty seven, forty eight thousand churches in the SBC, yeah. many of them would want the IMB present because of the role or the title. Uh, so it's it, it booked out pretty fast. Yeah, uh, I'll be the first to say that's not because you're Paul Chip. No, that's, not because of my preaching. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's because you're president IMB. But no. what a stewardship! I mean, that's. No. And that is so key. I mean, man, you know, IMB operates not as an individual entity. It operates on behalf of the churches of the Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, I know you and you know me, and we are first, last, and always churchmen. Amen. We believe in uh, the local church, and, and you, you're you not operating independently of the local church. You're, you're operating uh, in, in cooperation with those churches and— uh, it's churches that send missionaries. The IMB facilitates that, but it, they're sent by churches. And so it's key that you're in churches and that uh, they feel that connection with the IMB. Uh, our support depends on it. Our future missionaries depends on it. I, think, it, I, I think I'm singing your song here. Oh, right? absolutely. And, and you know, in my mind, integrity depends upon it. If I'm going to do the job I was hired to do, I have to serve the churches. I have to serve Southern Baptists. I, I think that's what this job is about. Certainly we're serving the Lord, we're serving the kingdom, his kingdom cause. But the IMB was created by churches and is their missionary sending arm. Uh, and uh, so to, to, to affirm both in my words and in my conduct, my availability, my my accessibility to the local church, my, my, my affirmations of the local church and of Southern Baptists to walk in line with Southern Baptists, to speak in line with Southern Baptists. I think that's all very important to this role. Are there any, you looking at any projects, any particular thing that as you're serving as president leading or like you, anything you're, you're wanting to write, any particular place you're wanting to go that you've not gone Anything like that, looking ahead? Yeah. Or are, you, are you just trying to keep your head above water? Right, right now, I'm trying to keep my head above water. I'm. Uh, uh, we, we do have uh, – I just got back from Uganda. I've got a trip. To, in fact, I'm in a window here of six months where I'll be somewhere different overseas each month during those six months. And, and that's a great opportunity for me to see the work, interact with our missionaries, uh, get a you know, front-line view of, 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 of the field. Uh, it's already paying dividends, although I'm just, you know, two or three trips into that, uh, and, and it's been a tremendous blessing. So, you know, I've, I've sort of laid aside all other outside interests. I've uh, resigned my adjunct teaching here at, at Southern. Someday I may be able to do some of that again. Uh, I am uh, working. I was about half, two-thirds of the way through uh, a Master of Nonprofit Administration at, at the Mendoza School of Business in Notre Dame. And just that was kind of a professional development degree for me yeah. when I was at KBC. So I'm trying to decide if, if I am able to continue with that or take a semester off and then jump back in. But other than that, 
you know, I'm just trying to focus in on the role. There's a lot to do. Organization of 4,000 people, yeah. uh, the, the magnitude of the budget, the work, our constituency, there's a lot to do really to get my feet under me and, and, and to get going in the role, to get, to get momentum. Uh, and the, the first stage of that really is a listening and learning process, and I'm in the midst of that listening and learning process. In fact, uh, as you'll remember from your time at the IMB, you know, acronyms, I think only the oh. U.S. military would use more acronyms more. than the yeah. IMB. Uh, and so I've created my own. You know, I, I, I want to be sure that everybody knows I'm studying acronymish and trying to fit in. Uh, and so I've created my own uh, acronym. Uh, I'm trying to do it all uh, during these first 6 to 12 months. Ask, listen, learn. Uh, and uh, then we'll lead, I'll lead out of uh, this period of, of ass listening and learning and lots of perspective and like you, lots of opinions about the IMB and its work from the different seats I've had, but I've never sat in the present seat. It's a much different perspective that you it have is. as president. Yeah, it absolutely is. That, that's true anytime you are in uh, any other chair than the lead chair and you, you think you know and then when you sit in the chair, suddenly you go, oh, I didn't know at all. I, and I was uh, an associate pastor at Ashland Avenue for, you know, seven years, and then went to seminary for three. When I came back as pastor, uh, it was a different ballgame. I couldn't believe it. I, I thought it would be a very small change to sit in that chair. Suddenly, when everything is on your shoulders, you've got nobody to hide behind, yeah. it does, you feel that. You feel that. You really but. do. Some of the most gratifying calls I've had in ministry, and you probably had these calls before Herschel as well, uh, from a guy who used to be on staff or as associate pastor or whatever uh, with me who would go on to become a pastor. And the day would come when he would call me on the phone and say, Pastor, I'm sorry. Yeah. I had no idea what you were dealing with. Yeah. I'm sorry I caused you the headaches or second-guessed you. Now I understand it. And so that was, you know, it's always a gratifying people uh, recognize the, the, the burden of yeah. that top leadership role. Another part of your schedule, though, that we've not talked about is you've got uh, a family. So yeah. tell us about your family. Yeah, thank you. I've got a 22-year-old son, newly married, uh, who is here in Kentucky still. He's in Richmond. He's got a semester left at the Eastern Kentucky University. A uh, beautiful young wife, Derica. She's a student there as well. Great uh, young lady. Uh, we have a daughter here in Louisville. Uh, who has a couple semesters left in University of Louisville nursing program, uh, and uh, she's doing well. That's been a, that's been tough moving away from yeah, kids. We no were close doubt. family. Uh, then uh, we took a couple kids with us. Uh, our daughter Kai is twelve. She's a seventh grader. She's getting settled into her new school and new life. And then we have a. Uh, seven-year-old daughter, Lily, whose adoption we just completed in December. So right. the timing of that, the Lord was gracious in allowing us to get that wrapped up. But they're doing well. My wife, Michelle, uh, she took her early retirement. She had 20 years in here in Kentucky as a public school teacher, was able just within a month to, to take early retirement from the school system here. Uh, one of the benefits of, of the role, thankfully, the board has provided uh, for my family to travel with me. And so that helps a lot, uh, given the uh, the intensity of the travel schedule. Uh, to you know, you don't want to be gone from uh, from uh, those girls, uh, yeah, irresponsibly. Uh, so our daughter Kai accompanied us to Uganda. My wife and my daughter uh, went, uh, and uh, then Kai and Lily both will be traveling with us 
uh, to uh, some of the meetings this summer. And our nursing student daughter will be going as well. In fact, uh, chairman of our board is a uh, physician, and uh, he gives medical checkups to missionaries during these large gatherings of um, the meetings. Uh, we call them AGMs yeah, over the course of the AGMs. summer. AGMs, I've been to a few uh, of those. Yeah, so my daughter, he's recruited by uh, nursing student daughter to come and serve as a nurse to him. So she'll be traveling with us and serving the missionaries this summer as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. What, what, a, what a wonderful way to uh, to coalesce these things and, and uh, serve together. It's good to have them as a part of, yeah. of this work. Yeah. Uh, well, it has been a joy to have you on Pastor Well. I like to end every uh, interview with the, what I call the twinkling of an eye round. So I've just got some quick questions to ask you. <laughs> right. Now, you, you can answer them briefly, but if you care to elaborate, feel free. But here we go. You ready? Yes, sir. Uh, what what preachers have most shaped you? Two or three? Uh, Adrian Rogers uh, has shaped me deeply. Uh, Herschel York's sermons, I don't just say that to flatter you here. Uh, but uh, watching and listening to you uh, during the time that, that I was coming to uh, convictions about uh, expositional preaching uh, was, was very helpful to me. Uh, well, I'm honored. Yeah, yeah. Uh, turkey or deer? Oh, anything with a bow. All right. Uh, UK or UT? UT. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Calipari or Barnes? Barnes, of course. Oh, where did you and I first meet? Where did you and I – probably at Adam Dooley's wedding. It was, Adam Dooley's <laughs> wedding. I married them. I, you were best man? I, no, but or, I was – You were a groomsman. Uh, a groomsman, yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, what would you say is your key leadership principle? Uh, no, that's hard. Yeah, dependence upon the Lord. Okay. Yeah. Uh, as a teenager, did you ever listen to Petra? <laughs> no. You didn't? No, I was a Southern rock fan. Uh, <laughs> so, so you didn't go to the Christian rock uh, stuff? No, no, I didn't. Okay. Yeah, probably should have, but uh, didn't. Favorite vacation spot? Favorite vacation spot? Um, uh, probably uh, Kona, the big island. Yeah, where did you hear about that? <laughs> a friend of mine keyed me in. Oh, well, what a, what a good friend to have. If you could take Michelle anywhere in the world... Uh, just the two of you tomorrow. Where would you go? Uh, Turtle Bay, Kona, Big Island. Yeah, amen. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, you got to try Zihuatanejo one day too in Mexico. It's an incredible place. Where they go at the end of uh, Shawshank Redemption, and it's oh, uh, yeah. it's tremendous. It's also another favorite place. So, well, uh, Paul, you're a dear friend, man. I love you. Not just in the Lord. I love you as a brother. I just love hanging with you. And, Thanks, the Al. worst thing about you taking this role is that I don't get to be around you nearly as much. And, and I miss you, but I would not have you back for the world. I'm gr glad you are where you are and uh, admire you as a man of God, a leader, and a preacher. And I, I, I just thank you for being with us today. I'm Pastor Well. I thank all of you who tuned in. If you've not yet subscribed, make sure you do so on YouTube or on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. I look forward to seeing you again next time on Pastor Well.